Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for February 8th, 2016, featuring poet Joanna C. Valente leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street, just half a block from the FG stop there. For more information, check out brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Isabella Giancarlo, Jonathan Spence, Tori Delahunt, Candy Wolf, Arthur Russell, Chris Roberts, Emily Blair, Judy Schneier, Cooper Wilhelm, Richard Fine, Richard Loeb, Caroline DeLuca, Bill Livingston, Ricardo Hernandez, Yopper of the Year Julie Hart, Del Lemon, Lauren Paris, and Alan Braverman. Each reader gets three minutes on the mic to sign up for the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Again, go to brooklynpoets.org. So, without any further ado, let's get to this month's readers. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I don't know if the veggie burger mystery was resolved, but uh, you should probably figure that out if you did order it, because veggie burgers are important. This is worse than the first day of class. When it's because Nick went out when I'm talking, everyone's talking. This is incredible. Just, just go on talk, please. Let's, you should finish. People are texting, too. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Blue Poets, yeah. Uh, I am your host, Jason Koo. We are excited to have Joanna C. Valente here leading our workshop, kicking off the open mic. Plus, all of you fine poets who have signed up early for the open mic list. If you are not signed up on the list, you're on the wait list, which we will try to get to eventually. Uh, if you haven't been here in the last couple of months, we have been recording the Yop open mic the last couple of months and publishing it as a, uh, a Yop cast, which is a, a creative way of calling a podcast, so uh, check that out. It's, oh, uh, I see. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I knew you would like it, Arthur. It's at, uh, you know, you'll find it on our SoundCloud page, but uh, uh, it is up that you can check out, if you, especially if you read the last couple of months in our vein, like me, you know, sure, you will check it out tonight. Uh, you will hear your sweet sounds on the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast. That being, what is, what is this? What? What? Oh yeah, I kind of need that, but but eventually, I don't need it right now. But just leave it there. Yeah, I've, I've done this many times, my friends. <laughs> but I appreciate the uh, the concern. He was he was like, oh, he doesn't know who's gonna read that because Joanna's first. So yeah, we're good. Uh, if you don't know what happens, since we are recording now, you do need to give us your permission to uh, distribute your recording. So rather than getting all those permissions individually, we just assume you are giving your permission unless you tell us otherwise. So if you don't want us to, to have you on the recording, we can cut you from it. Just let me know, and you are gone. Just like that. <laughs> I will delete your ass 
It's not hard. So uh, if you're shy about it, that's totally fine. Just let me know. Otherwise, we will broadcast you, and you will be hugely famous to everyone in the room and possibly people that know them. <laughs> Outside of those networks, who knows? <laughs> Maybe you will be famous. Uh, if you haven't been here before, you get three minutes on the mic. Please don't go over. You see it's a big room. Uh, we do like to get to as many people as possible. Again, we all know if you're going over time, we all have that sense. You know, everyone's poets are like cats. We know when things are taking too long. And we, we are not good with expressing our patience <laughs> for those things. So don't go over time. Uh, with that being said, with that being said, that didn't make any sense. I was trying to say with that being said and without further ado at the same time. It's like a pork mental phrase. <laughs> without being a do. Give it up for Joanna C. Valente. Semi-nude, only to realize nudity means 
And what came first? A piece of fruit or the desire for the first sight of the thing you want to be? During a full moon, all kinds of men try to put their fingers in you like you need space to occupy. Like your insides have shrunk, like the lessons you never learned in school. And you finally realized there are 2,000 ways to play solitaire. And what is really? Solitary. I was terrible at that game. Remember the old computer version? How many of you played that old computer? That was like the only game we had. <laughs> it's, the world seems so antiquated back then. Now there's like free internet porn, there's like movie. I can watch NBA games illegally. Back then I was like, Solitaire is all I have. There's nothing else for my entertainment in Cleveland. Okay, first up off the, uh, I was going to say the regular open mic, but that's not so demeaning. Like there was like Joanna and there was the regular list. Off, off the people's list is Isabella Giancarlo. Give it up for Isabella. Oh, okay, my bad. Well done. 
next up is our fabulous intern in the front. Give it up for Jonathan Spence. So, um, my birthday's on the 21st, and I just wanted to say that. I'm 25, and, um, yeah. Um, I'm reading two poems. They're really fast. Well, the first one's really fast because I, I'm doing an explanation. I don't really do explanations, but, you know, anyway. I'm working on this project called uh, The Millennial Project where I have a number of different millennials and um, the formations of each poem is done in a way where when the person reads it, they read it as if they're speaking like that millennial. This one is called um, Millennial Number Three. And uh, yeah. So like the other day, I was with my mom at the Apple store. This guy came up with a sleeve tattoo. It was beautiful. The first thing she says to him is, that's a big tattoo. What does your mother think? She's dead, he said. <laughs> then she quickly said, what does your father think of it? I mean, it's just a tattoo. If I were dating him, I guess it doesn't matter if we're dating or not. Whatever. Like, here's my take on it. Getting a tattoo anywhere visible is like getting a tattoo on your cheek. Of course, I'm going to ask about it, it better mean something. Like, I mean, what is a tattoo with no meaning? Wasted ink on wasted skin? A wasted masterpiece? Whatever. You know, because of my mom and those questions, the ones that kind of don't matter anymore because we're way beyond secrets and cover-up, I can't even pick a nail polish without going through 50 colors first. And I still pick red or pink. I mean, I guess I could try something new. I thought I was going to die when I tried matte banana and metallic gold. I want a tattoo of a rose going on my forearm. I want the petals to be the colors of the rainbow for equality with a small equal sign in the center. Do you think that will kill me? Will I ever get a job? Will my mother disown me? <laughs> This is called the truth. You don't have a heart. You don't have any vulnerability. You always point to a spot on the floor, and then you let us assume that you'll stumble or fail there. You let us be right every time, but you have harmony. Everything happened tonight. You did that thing thing, and you were the Empire State Building too. You gave us the foam, the scrub, and the actual bath, but a decision has been made. I want you to go to school with your known song and forget that we're the same orientation. We'll laugh at the same things, cry, be there, want, and you know, you know. You need jokes. You're too stiff. You know, we should be a we. You also know that I have a history of leaving. I always seem like I don't want what I want, and I think that just for today, I will choose this water, this fluid body surrounding my spirit that may merely be a symbol of why I know my observations aren't as delicate as they were at their starts. I want to drown before I'm saved. It's a routine, the want. You've always been the rain, and I have always been the damned. You fall, and I absorb the acid. Because I'm not the book you're reading. I'm never any of the fucking books that you play with in bed more than me. If I were any book that you're loving, I'd pray that you're living. I hope you're living well. I hope you know I'm writing while you're living next to me in a shared space. I hope you know it's always about you. Decisions change all the time. I allowed you to turn me into a ghost that follows a statue because I'm addicted to harmony.
you, Jonathan. Kick ass as usual. I, I almost forgot. Every every month we vote for poem of the month. It's like every month there's also the the, the risk that I will forget to announce this entirely. It's, we've gotten pretty close to that, and I always have Ricky to look at me judgmentally. So it's your job to remind me. Maybe or maybe it's Julie. Where did Julie go? It's Julie's job. One, one of one of you. It's author's job. Right. Exactly. So uh, here's what happens. Uh, we vote for a poem of the month. It's like what you think is the best poem or like the cutest one or the most adorable. I don't care what your criteria is. And uh, you can either just email me or you can write this down. Because God, it's annoying when I have to repeat this 20 times, especially since it's my own phone number. 718. You can just text the name of the poem or the name of the poet. You don't have to reveal your identity. Be totally anonymous. 718-374-1953. I like how all the people that already have my number are sitting here really smugly, like, oh, we know. <laughs> Chris, Chris and Nick are just like, oh, we got it, dude. <laughs> 718-374-1953. What happens if you win Poem of the Month, get free admission to a future yup, and you get to compete for Poem of the Year in December? I'm very excited about this around. I've seen a lot of very totally indifferent faces where they're just like, I could care less about that. <laughs> You were talking a long time. I thought we had three minutes. I was like, anyway, hopefully you win and you'll be happier about it. Next up is Tori Dellum. Give it up for Tori. Christmasina, oh he's good, he's so good. 
or every time I ever had to wait for a train, <coughs> I would call you and we would chat. Thank you, Dory. Next up is someone that sounds like a very famous person, Candy Wolf. Give it up for Candy. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is my second time, so uh, I'm still sort of like a virgin. <laughs> That's a bonus thing I'll get to with Valentine's Day today. So. <laughs> This is actually from my first workshop when I was here in December. Um, it was about dreams. And it was it really gave me a lot to think about in terms of writing in a different way than I ever had before. So this is sort of my exercise from it. And it's called Winter Wonderland on Park Avenue. As I walk out of Bloomingdale's on a December early evening, I see large mounds of snow. How did I not know a storm was coming? while I worked a full day promoting chocolate. My black leather heel boots are no help either. Getting stuck in the thicket of the fluffiest, slightly crunchy, white, frosty whipped cream, it is all so blizzard-like as I'm walking down 59th and Lexington. Large, soggy, cornflake-sized morsels keep flying toward my eyes, and my contact lenses are waging a battle against them. My eyelids are getting into the act by fluttering as a way to fight back. So, now I'm on Park Avenue, leather boots all drenched while toes are bitingly icy. How will I get to meet my friends at the cheese cellar fondue restaurant? Just then, hearing loud laughter, I look to my left, and to my surprise, there's a giant hayride pulled by four horses. I kid you not, it must be like a winter mirage. Suddenly it stops, and a blue-eyed, dark-haired, very handsome man is shouting, Hop on board! Now a ginger-haired woman puts her hand out, and the impulsive me just can't resist. Who could? <laughs> I enjoy the large group of smiling faces, as Ginger gives me a sprinkled, sparkly, red little shopping bag. It's filled with a holiday song sheet, tiny airplane bottle of Amaretto, <laughs> a four-piece gold box of Godiva truffles, and a beautiful white and blue clay dreidel. I notice the holiday pine tree all tinseled out in red, white, and blue in one corner, a very large high-standing menorah in another, and a set of gold Kwanzaa candles in the other. There's a huge sign screaming, Happy Winter Reunion, Wesleyans! They begin singing, Winter Wonderland followed by Old Lang Syne. And as I realize, oh no, I'm at my stop, Park Avenue and 54th Street, they serenade me with a lovely version of the Drake song. How did they know I was Jewish? <laughs> Thanks, hugs, and holiday wishes before the Wesleyans gallop on, and I trudge through the icy snow in the direction of warm fondue. <laughs> Thank you, Candy. Next up is, I believe, a friend of hers. You know him as the winner of Poem of the Year last year. 718-374-1953. Make the vote. <laughs> Give it up for Arthur Russell.
called Seduction Poems. So I brought them out for Valentine's Day. And they're part of a series that I'm working on to try to get a woman to take her clothes off. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be a really long series. The first one is called A Photo With No Shirt On. Between the shoulders and the foothills lies a region whose declivities suggest adventures which the fingers in retirement will later reminisce. In a picture thumbtacked to the shelf edge in the workshop, the corduroy of ribcage and the venerated pips remind a man how eyes work. And the torsion implicit in the torso as it twists can undermine the institute of like the hills on the west shore of Lake George in October, the imaginary weight and the exonerating sky. A photo with no shirt on is a bubble through the aqueous humor of consciousness champagneing in the nose. So please send me a photo of you with no shirt on. <laughs> This one is called Makeout Poem. <laughs> you can't keep me away from you forever. I will stand in front of you another time. I will be standing not three feet away. You know how my eyes work. You know my voice from the inside. You know how it will be when I look at you. And I know how it will be for you. You will come forward and tip your chin up and close your eyes and purse your lips like a drawstring purse full of kisses. You will kiss me. You will let me kiss you as long as I like. And I will kiss you as long as I like. And we will kiss first with the lips, pretending that's all. Then parting lips, our tongue tips touch a few tip touches like the index finger of a girl rock singer keeping time on the body of her microphone. Some of that. Tongues in search of deeper trust push back the curtain our mouths must open to accommodate. And then the joint starts jumping. Hand from shoulder, neck to cheek, some of that. Fingers, first mine, then yours, into the hair behind our ears. Some of that. We pull one another into the kiss, following the logic of bliss, while somehow at the same time planning the future of the kiss, taking an inventory of our forces, standing around the map of our kiss like admirals and epaulets, pushing models of gunships across a table. Some of that. I hear you breathe through your nose, and you hear me. Some of that. We separate to breathe through our mouths, and our eyes roam our faces like a bear scanning a bush for a raspberry. 
and then electric eyed you bite my ear and lean back to let me see that you meant it and your nostrils flare which I accept as your assent to continue kissing. No talking, no whispering, no murmuring. Sounds, if there be any sounds at all, come from far away as if to prove that we are far away. Just kissing, lip kissing, face kissing, chin kissing, nose kissing, teeth bump like bed springs, conjugal kissing, Cape Canaveral mashed potato, orthodontic kissing, lip balm, barnacle, abalone kissing, suction cup, serialized cliffhanging kisses with prologues, chapters, subparts, sad parts, endings, epilogues, sequels. Kissing till, like saying the word apple over and over, it's blah, 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 but still, it's apple sweet, nonsensical apple, sweet in your mouth, tart in my mouth, and we are kissing, kissing, kissing to the knowledge that invites us to the Eden we have entered on a counterfeited backstage pass. Some of that. <laughs> And the wall you lean on as the minutes pass, the wall that sustains you, the wall behind you as the minutes pass, and the wall my hand leans on to hold me just a little bit apart, the wall that never tires in the hall we stopped to kiss in, in the room where we stood before we kissed. Some of that. You can't keep me away from you. I will stand in front of you another time. I will be standing not three feet away. Damn, that's a lot of kissing, man. <laughs> Orthodontic kissing. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is that two people have braces? <laughs> one of them has a retainer and he has to take it out. That'd be hot. Like, oh, wait, one sec, one minute. <laughs> Let me remove this mouthpiece from my mouth. Uh, wow. Kissing. How many of you have Valentine's Day dates? Fuck that holiday. Suck for you, Jonathan. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, would you be here if you had a Valentine's Day? <laughs> no poets said no. I'm not saying you're unattractive. I'm not saying you all write poetry. You know? I say this. I've had, I've had many. <laughs> I'm a total hypocrite right now. But I, you know, not lately. <laughs> okay, I'm sure he has a Valentine's Day, our next poet. Give it up for Chris Roberts. I heard he has two. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, this is part of three... My long baton that I started last week. Early November. Aunt Joan and Uncle Scott dropped Jenna off when Grandma wasn't home. We got so bored, we went outside. What else was there to do? The swing was even boring, 
and fit four on benches welded to a metal frame. When I get old, I won't call this a swing, I said to Jenna and my sister. Hey, we're on the Enterprise. Let's go warp speed. Then Pop-Pop came outside. Don't go too fast. Now, Chris, he said, that wasn't built for that. We're bored, I said. Will you please ride with us? As soon as I'm done here, he watered plants. It took so long for him to climb aboard, we didn't have to stop to let him on. I screamed, the Klingons are attacking us. Chris, stop. What did I say to you before? I wasn't going fast. Stop acting up. I'm sorry. No, you're not. You don't know that. You're not my dad. You're lucky that I'm not, he said. Well, you did, boy. Deserves a licking. You'd hit a kid, I said. Well, go ahead and hit me then. It wouldn't prove you're right, just that you're stronger, Pop-Pop. Chris, shut up and get up to your room. My room's not here, I didn't say, but almost did. Upstairs. Encyclopedias stared back at me. The black and white TV turned on all snow, but didn't make a sound. The knob turned low. But Pop-Pop, Jenna said, you made him cry. You have to tell Chris you'd have hit him. My window overlooked the tops of them. Melissa, Jenna said, your brother needs another chance because Pop-Pop made him cry. Don't you agree with me? But Pop-Pop chimed, now don't you tell her what to think. My sister looked from him to her, to him, to her, at, to him, at him. If she had said one word, then Pop-Pop could have said, Chris has to learn his lesson and moved on. Instead, he saw her eyes about to tear because I cried. Despite his better judgment, Pop-Pop changed his mind about my punishment, for her and not for me, as she had done for me. He'd only done it so she wouldn't cry, and thought, I let my grandson down today. Chris, I should have said, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 Righty tighty, lefty Lucy. Thank you, Alan Braverman, for that. <laughs> what did you do to this thing, man? <laughs> what happened like this? I'm just going to hold this and want to introduce. I was going to say uh, something really nice about Chris won Poem of the Month next, last month. You can see what happens when you win. <laughs> you get really entitled and you just fuck with our equipment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Chris. Nice job. Okay, wow, that was uh, nerve wracking. <laughs> Next up is Emily Blair. Give it up for Emily.
So I actually have a visual aid this time. This is, uh, poem is based on a four-shot uh, cloth. So Beside what you see in it, uh, I saw a poem. Um, or I fold along the line of symmetry to make a bat, a badge, a coat of arms. Two girls on a seesaw, or one looking into a glass clouded by fog. Foliage, fox, frog. A shadow to mirror each mood, whether goblet or turtle. Rose red and snow white, Benny and Veronica, you and me. Someone to watch the soaps wet, to watch the minnows in the creek behind the house. You see exits everywhere, I see portals. Analysis must be done on a case-by-case -case basis, but a high number of responses to the negative space may indicate long-standing feelings of hat, harbor, lake, and lamp, all of which you broke. And then there's the stuff both of us borrowed and never returned. Bell, bowl, cloud, cathedral transept. Your pretty ponies, my disco dress. That secret path through the pine trees, the one we, sorry, the one we made a rhyme to remember. Now we live so far apart. We talk on the phone every once in a while, and the country between us transforms as we speak. Angel, animal, arrowhead, landscape, lamb, ladle, helmet, heart. Next up is a poet who has the distinction of being the only poet in the room who I have danced with. Give it up for Judy Schneier. Shards don't sweep up clean. They sting me. Happy to be in touch. 
and naked we'll all stand before our divine judge. I already know the nature of my damnation. To eternally wait on a supermarket checkout line, <laughs> holding my one purchase of milking popsicle, dripping sticky cream on my hand, while every woman I've ever known is in front of me, each with an oversized pocketbook fumbling for exact change. <laughs> Why does the world 
go on. The sun and moon cycle in tandem over the fields and the forest, <coughs> the cows and the pears. Meanwhile, the wild mushrooms, deep in the thick brown flop, raise their heads again. Wherever you shit, no matter how carefully you step, the world grows in your excrement. You must seek it out like wild mushrooms, which will die in the morning light if you hesitate to plunge forth your hands. And this is uh, the plastic bag. Occasionally I look to sky when twisting in the wind, I spy plastic bag transformed, rising above cast off existence, mundane refuse, discarded on streets, briefly used and flung aside, revived into new life, blown, imbued, new forms, some pale bird, transparent flower, or yellow, glowing, plastic angel floats on air above us all, free from gravity, constraints rising on currents, ever upwards, spiraling like someone's soul until it disappears. Thank you, Richard. I just want to say I like your sweater and cap ensemble. Thank you, sir. <laughs> he said that. He said thank you, like he was expecting that. Uh, is Danny Brick here? No. <laughs> That's Ricky. Give it up for Caroline DeLuca. She's already coming up here. Into home. <laughs> Thanks. To 
Um, this poem came out of conversation with a friend about the idea of feeling small in the city or um, maybe sometimes like wanting to be impulse to want to feel small or hidden after experiences with catcalling and street harassment. Um, and so I wanted to write a poem kind of pushing up against that and deciding to be big anyway and big for yourself, bigger, bigger than the city. Um, as it's called Soulful Strut after the big dance song in the same game. You can keep your cheap talk, because I've got the power walk. Shake whole buildings with my hips. Zombie commuters, only blips on my radar. Veins are singing. I've got places to go. Arms are swinging. I read seamless through the crosswalk crowd. I don't apologize for singing loud. I know I'm only an animal, but I like tapping in, reaching out the human crush happening. All around, this is happening. Listen, we are what is happening. Don't go missing me, because today I am happening. Snap, crackle, popping today. The skyline and I are one body mopping up the Hudson with our silhouette, scaffolding and traffic. Kids on half pipes, bright lights, billboards, Ricky picking a half lake in the subway. All that's trailing behind me like a tail. Mine, a train. I've got all this in my shadow, on the rail, face to the left. Listen, don't get in the way of my heft. I may carry it in style, and I'm careful to be deft, but I still know how to throw my weight around. I'm monumental, motherfucker. A landmark on the move. My feet beat out the whole city pulse, from soul to soul to ground. I'm grooving, I'm going, won't wait to see if you approve. Thank you, Caroline. A monumental motherfucker. Don't you forget that. That's a line I can get behind. Next up is uh, winner of Poem of the Month in December of 2015. Seems like ages ago. Seems like two months ago. Give it up for Bill Livingston. Canyon of Mediocrity. Crazy thrives on the corner of 4th Avenue Pacific in the shadow of the virile Williamsburg Bank building. Lies an impotent dirt patch where the Church of the Redeemer once stood. 150 years of redemption in history, victim to the wrecking ball. Raised for another gentrifying pencil tower like the others, cocooning their occupants from what's real and the ones who actually need redemption. You see them as you birth yourself from the subway like a Peruvian miner thirsting for life above ground. You see the high school boys pulling hair on the girls in headlocks, smiling through simple assault, so accepting of it all, in the air thick with the scent of Muslim incense and the acrid smoke of halal carts. You see the ones outside the liquor store begging for rot gut and lottery tickets. So many faces taking their chances in the siren-filled night. And the one outside the deli on 4th and Bergen, gravel voice from hell, quarry, indecipherable. Hangers-on circle him like lost moons, daring you to make eye contact. And the one known only as Skinny Wayne for years sleeping in his river of piss. Empty malt liquor cans wreathing his head like a halo undeserved. You didn't think he'd lived this long, long enough to be a hurdle for Nets fans on their way to the Barclays Center. And then there's the one who takes the journey with you, screaming threats into unsuspecting faces, running up dukes raised, bumping chest, then walking alongside. Troubled, angry voice of the depraved. I'll kill a motherfucker, go to jail for life. Don't care no more, bro. Holding his fist out for me to tap it like everything's normal. 
I just look at him, never breaking stride, and smile through the fear for my safety. Or is it his? Or is it my family's when they come this way, unescorted? Wondering what's playing in his earbuds, competing with those demons in his head. He breaks off and ducks into a Verizon store. I stand outside and watch, ready to hit 911, rolling up the New Yorker as a weapon. Witnessing his pantomime of bullshit and body contortions to the audience of a very confused cell phone agent. How many days like this does he endure? Crazy, unsatisfied, exits, exits and turns down the street searching for more victims. Just another night, I walk on, thinking, do we want to be the Fabergé egg under the glass on public display? Protected, immobile, containing within our gilded shells the yolk of inhumanity and the whites of indifference? Or do we want to be the derelict rubber duck freely floating on the toxic lavender tide of the Salton Sea, able to watch the red hues of the western sunset, the pinpricks of starlight in the velvet sky, content in the rotting fish air befouling the dead-end trailer park world where crazy die and sanity blossoms once again? I keep telling myself the water's fine, the water's fine, the water's fine. And the dysfunctional love of Brooklyn is stronger than the fear of the insane and unredeemed infantry as I turn right into the comfort in my quiet, imperfect street, ready to do it all over again. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, incidentally, you mentioned the Nets in that uh, poem. Any Kobe Bryant fans in here? One. <laughs> we were asked by the Nets a couple of weeks ago uh, to put together some poems for Kobe Bryant. Believe this. The fucking Nets, the assistant general manager, looked us up online <laughs> and called me. He's like, you know, some poets I could write some poems for Kobe, but they want to give him a gift of poems for his retirement uh, on March first. So uh, if you're a big Kobe fan, I guess it's you. <laughs> and uh, feel like you could write a poem for him. You got about a week. <laughs> uh, nothing. It's, yeah, it's out of our goodwill. I'm hoping we'll get a big donation from them. <laughs> They'll probably give us a donation. We'll start, or I'll be mad. <laughs> what I'm hoping is fucking Kobe Bryant will give us a donation. <laughs> That's what I'm really hoping for. <laughs> Motherfucker's gonna give us some big money. Uh, but wow, isn't that crazy? Kobe Bryant from the this you know Brooklyn Poets. <laughs> it's incredible. I was like, am I having this conversation? Are you a Kobe Bryant fan? No, not really. Because <laughs> I'm from Cleveland. I'm like a LeBron guy. Could you be for the right money? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, next up is Ricky Hernandez. Give it up for Ricky. Don't be alarmed, I am Ricky Hernandez. As you can see, the face is different. I lost the bad tash. Well, two years to the date, it will be 12 years from my first day in basic training. So this poem is called Demilitarizing the Mind. Very short. <clears throat> His brain patiently waits at free fall speed to say, fuck y'all. 
I'm done here. Retinas flashed mid-bloom, inking his feathered quotes above bombarded graves. Presence of self eradicated, forcibly bending tiger hand to sway extraterrestrial soul. His heart neglectfully <coughs> chokes on the sonic boom command. Execute the order, Ammon. Consciousness at attention, lungs curl into admirality, escaping corrupt instruction. His dereliction of deceitful duty will place his air power retention in stranglehold of reprimands, extinguishing trustful bones as his mind evaporates into own. Fraud, waste, and abuse, fucks. Puff cumulus thought function to ignite lungs spelunking session, treating gung-ho military syndrome. Inhaled God's breath in exchange for marshmallow-induced comas, flushing ambient prescribed poison. Wandering in the chasm of self, his demons can dance peacefully. Left, right, left, get on up, right, left. And the second poem is called Abstract Mind of a Child. Venture into the abstract mind of a child and marvel at the art sprawled across the walls. From Crayola pictographs to watercolored Van Goghs, Rembrandt finger paintings to Picasso acrylic alter egos. Pluto is the ruler per capita, says journals of King Basquiat, accompanied by Andy Warhol swirls of Campbell soup cans mating with the New York City skyline. Streets, streets brimming with Taki 183 tags morphing into top-to-bottom burners seen by the concrete jungle observers. Conjuring conceptual oil paintings of the mind's eye from time out, mixed with chalk schematics mapping the escape route. Younglings discover art of creative release and justifying peace when their lineage is above beats of underprivileged streets. Trust when you see used paint, the muse painted to placate adults and strain from becoming wool-based. All they want is to create, paint, draw, color within and out of the lines. All they're told is that there's no money in art. Seek real employment. Be anything you want, but not an artist, because all you'll end up doing is wasting time following your heart and soul. Funny thing about that is how it leads to questions. Who killed their dreams with that stark rhetoric? No chance in the art world unless you're a seasoned veteran. Ties with wealthy brethren. Circles that hold weight with financial meal plates. Well, fuck all that. I'll paint draw, write, and live life with my mind, with my head far removed from the insanity of life without creation. Everyone is an artist until someone destroys their creative ability with labor, enslavement. Thank you, Ricky. Okay, I think we have like four or five more poets I'd like to get through. It's 9.15. So, what I'm going to ask is that every poet left read one poem. And if you don't read one, Alan will kill you. He's <laughs> murderer! It's that simple. He'll just kill you. <laughs> so draw you first, then kill you. So, next up is our Yopper of the Year for 2015. Give it up for Julie Hart. Title 
that each line is actually a title of a poem, right? Confessions of a Secondhand Smoker. <laughs> Forensic Listening for Beginners. Where I went on my last master date. <laughs> on finding out Angelina Jolie had an intellective double mastectomy. <laughs> the year of having no opinion. Wildly gesticulating monkey arms. Monetize this. <laughs> Wet sonnet contest. <laughs> Battered to death by anecdote. Elegy for espresso. How to deal with your pleonexia. On being a stereotype threat. It's a bug for me, a, a feature, uh, sorry. It's a bug for you, a feature for me. <laughs> you want me to have sympathy for the overdog. Your borborygmus keeps me up at night. Who's loading the label gun? <laughs> what I'm supposed to be ashamed of, but I'm not. Sorry, but your soul is substandard. Things about you I will not miss. You are the anti-rapist. I can only cry when no one's watching. My arms gone stiff, holding myself away from your unassuageable unhappiness. On the map of hurt feelings, you are Portugal. <laughs> Is Del Lemon. Give it up for Del. Wow, thanks. I'm so happy I had a chance to read my Valentine poem, <laughs> which is called There's Something to Be Said for Suicide. To Vijay Sashadri, who is a Brooklyn poet. A poet told me that he likes to read the suicide poets even though he has never been suicidal himself. There is something to be said for suicide, or at least the possibility of it. I grew up with suicide, and what it always meant to me was that you could walk away. You didn't have to take what was dished onto your plate. It can also be a creative force that compels you to do things differently because you need something else in order to keep living. One of my favorite suicides, Spalding Gray, used to interview audience members at his performances. One time, I saw him grilling the young guy who worked as a fireman in downtown Manhattan. Spalding wanted to know whether he was a suicidal pyromaniac and if that was the real reason he was a fireman. The guy answered as honestly as I've ever seen anyone. Answer question. I saved a life when I was 18 years old, and I never got over the high. Sure, some guys are suicidal, but no one puts them in charge, and you always want them on your team because they will go into a fire to save a life when no one else will. I will always remember Spalding for the fearless way he discarded form and tradition in the theater in order to create something different. 
And I will also always remember that fireman for his honesty, his intellectual curiosity, attending such esoteric avant-garde performance art after they hit the firehouse, and for his bravery. Just as there is something to be said for suicide, there is much to be said against it. I worry that because that fireman worked in downtown Manhattan, he went into a fire caused by suicidal fanatics flying some planes from which there could be no return. Damn good, Dell. Sorry, that sounded like a phrase or something. Damn good, Dell. Damn good, Dell. Um, we have hopefully three more readers. Give it up for Lauren Paris. Isolation oppressing 
brutality, torture, rape, and murder, where the slaves were transported to the new world and the people of the Jewish faith were banished from the old. Their passage to the America, Americas as the unwanted while anti-Semitism spread throughout Europe, declaring war on the Christ killers. Lynching in the U.S. through the 1930s and beyond, the nukes more than a symbol becomes an instrument of terror. The swastika, an ancient Indo-Aryan emblem symbolizing life, resurrected by the Nazis leading to genocide. The broken cross, the hangman's rope, reflecting hatred and bigotry, reminded us of what was and what is. Thank you, Alan, for that tremendously uplifting poem. <laughs> End of the night. End of the world. Jesus. So, uh, remember, before you leave, to vote for best poem of the month, 718-374-1953, or email me, or talk to me. Talk to me. That works. <laughs> Just give me the post name or the title of the poem. A couple of announcements. One. We have a fabulous reading this Friday, the first reading of the Book and Poets reading series this Friday at Brick House in Fort Greene. Very easy to get to. You can't, you can't use that subway. Oh, it's not near my train. That's bullshit. There's like every train goes to Fort Greene, so I expect to see you all there. There's total silence. People are like, what the fuck you, dude? I'm not going to go if I don't want to go. There's three poets reading. Uh, who are they? Rosebud Benoni, uh, Lonely Christopher, and Patricia Spears Jones are really good group of three poets. That is this Friday, 7 p.m., doors open at Brick House in Fort Greene. Second announcement, uh, our workshops. Remember to take a flyer. First deadline is this Sunday, February 14th, and then that continues on into April and May. Also take a guided reading class flyer. And uh, what else is going on? How are you guys doing? You want, you want to hang out now? <laughs> we'll be downstairs hanging out. Thanks for coming. Remember to vote for Poem of the Month. We'll see you next month. Second Monday. Put the chairs off. Yes, put the chairs away. There you have it. The Broken Poets Yop open mic for February 8th. 2016. Congratulations to Del Lemon for winning Poem of the Month by audience vote for her beautiful elegy. There's something to be said for suicide. Del now gets a place in our annual Poem of the Year Smackdown, which will take place this December, as well as free admission to a future yop and eternal glory. For more information on the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. You can sign up for the workshop and or open mic. The next Brooklyn Poets Yop will come your way on March 14th. That's a Monday. Featuring Joe Pan leading the workshop. We hope to see you there.